welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Bretos. Very excited here, getting ready to head to Austin, Texas for USA Trinidad and Tobago and the Nations League as we provide you today a very special Nation League preview. Plus, got a little extra information here because it's hard for me to resist anything else. But a little Nations League preview. Plus, plus for your listening pleasure. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend of our podcast. Spread the word. Uh, massive feedback about the Thomas Wrong and Paul. We've got some great listenership and people talking about it. I'll be taping this. I'm going to go see the premiere of Next Goal Wins. I suggest we support soccer in every way we can, theatrically, um, at the gates, at the games, you name it. Do what you can. And that's right. We support Thomas and Taiki Waititi. Hopefully I get a photo. Check out my Instagram tomorrow to see if I was able to do it. We have a good show. We have a great show. Coming up in the business end, we'll be joined by Ramon Chavez, Nachito Chavez, who's been a guest here. He's worked with me on the Soccer OG before and for L3 Online. He also works for MLS Next Pro, and he's with the Phoenix Rising. So we'll talk a little bit about Phoenix Rising win the USL Championship what it meant for him. He also covers Liga MX and El Tri, so we'll get his thoughts on Mexico playing Honduras in the Nations League. Mexico in the same situation as the U.S., looking to qualify for the Copa America and make it to the showpiece event, the Nations League semifinals, which I think we can all agree has been a ton of fun. The last two editions in Denver and Vegas, let's do it again. Coming up in Check Complete, I'll give you my preview of what I expect to see for the United States against Trinidad and Tobago. It's going to be... It's going to be a little harder than we think. But we'll all be tuning in and look forward to seeing all the action there. Great show. Enough of my yapping. Let's go. It's time for the rundown. We want to reserve as much time as possible here to talk Nations League, and we'll get to that. And you're going to enjoy the conversation with Ramon Chavez as we talk a little bit about Mexico in addition to Phoenix Rising. Uh, four big games to see who will emerge into the Nations League semifinals. We'll get into all those details later in the program. But this is the rundown. I pick out some topics that are of interest of me that what I would like to share with you. Of note, and these are things that I have an opinion on that I think is worth sharing because a lot of people... I'm not going to even go there. I don't think people vet some of these stories enough and give you a knee-jerk reaction to what is there. In particular, with the news that UEFA was looking to add a Saudi Arabia team, particularly um, Al Nasser, uh, which features Cristiano Ronaldo. He, you know, they've already they've been pushing there a couple times, but the story has come again. And they want to add him to the Champions League. And, of course, the uproar. This is, you know, sacred. The Champions League is UEFA and it's European teams. And if we open the door for Cristiano Ronaldo and Al Nasser, maybe we'll open the door for a team in South America and MLS. And then what do we have? So I just wanted to touch on this because it's, it's an important story because I think you all have to look at it because you can sit here and dig your heels into the ground and be upset about it. But this is the reality, and it's all money-driven, and you have to understand there is a land grab going out there. Every major competition, every major tournament, international and club, is looking to get a bigger piece of the pie. FIFA going for a 48-team World Cup. CONCACAF expanding their CONCACAF Champions Cup competition. Adding more teams. FIFA getting and expanding the Club World Cup. Do you see what's going on here? The NBA adding an in-season tournament. 
the NFL and Major League Baseball expanding their playoff numbers. Everyone wants to add more competitions because it means more money. And it's all driven by the broadcast deals. You know, people, if I see one more person complain about the MLS Cup playoffs, they say, hello, this is how it works. You expand your inventory. That is good business. You're keeping your partners happy and there's more games. Whether you want to sit there and complain about a three-game series till you're blue in the face, count your lucky stars, it wasn't best of five. Because that's what drives the success of every league now is the broadcast deals. Look at what it's done to the Premier League. The exposure. So you're going to get more than less. I know we're all traditionalists and we want to contract and maybe we should contract in some areas, but it's not going to happen with games. And in a perfect world, and I think it will happen, and you've seen it in some sports, players have every right to complain about the heavy workload. Coaches have every chance to complain about the workload. But if they can be made whole with dollars, pounds, euros, whatever it is, then they will do it. We all would. You just want to be value what you're worth. And if there's more games and there's more interest and there's more money coming from the broadcast deals, there's going to be more money for players and coaches and broadcasters and all of that. That's how it works. But we're going through that. So I'm going to get back on the rails here with regards to a Saudi team joining the Champions League. And if it's one, obviously one becomes two, two becomes four, and it would expand in some way. But if you could keep fighting it, I think it's... It's going to probably happen. And the reason it should happen, from UEFA's perspective, if they shun the Saudi approach, the Saudis are going to make UEFA's life miserable. They're going to try and start their own competition. And you know what they're going to do? Let's circle back to all the money I talked about. They're going to offer these clubs money. They'll find ways to participate there. They will lure their players by saying, hey, you can make this much extra money because you're going to play in this Saudi club competition. That's what eventually will happen. And keep in mind, Saudi Arabia, although this, the, the funnel of money will stop, it is not going to stop until 2035, 2036, after they host the World Cup in 2034. So we could sit and complain, but this is a reality. UEFA would be crazy to say no to Al Nasser because the Saudis will create something where Al Nasser could be in there and lots of other clubs. They're going to create more competition. If you can't beat them, join them. Look at what happened with the PGA, you know? You find ways to coexist, at least for now, I think, because that's self-preservation. Not that the Champions League does it, but UEFA's not the Premier League. They're not, you know, they're doing very well, but it's not, it's, it, the broadcast deals aren't what they're getting for other leagues. But uh, because the part of it's because UEFA controls so much of it, and they don't want to relinquish that. So, we have that. I just wanted to get that off and running. And I think I was able to throw in some of my MLS because uh, I had a great time in Seattle here. Look forward to the conference semifinals. Uh, MLS is going to honor this international break. If they didn't, you would be up in arms because so many teams would be without key players. This is the right move. And some people are saying, why don't they fast track MLS, finish the season before the international break? I go, that's great. Now you have a four month, almost a four month break between games and nobody wants that or between the season the ending and the beginning of the season so you can't do that every other league has two months mls should have a two-month gap that's how you run a, a league so it's got to go to this all right that's not perfect but there we have it emma hayes of chelsea 
named the officially the U.S. Women's National Team coach. Uh, I don't know as much about others, so I will leave that to the folks who cover the women's game. They had a, an incredible showpiece event in the NWSL. Incredible traffic about it. Uh, the news with U- NWSL signing that new what sixty million dollar a year broadcast deal. It's amazing. That's only going to grow. Women's sports is on a rocket ship, specifically soccer. I think you're seeing that as well with WNBA and other properties. Women's soccer leagues across the pond. So Emma Hayes has all the has the resume to do really well, which was interesting here because remember equal pay, she's going to make the same amount as Greg Berhalter. I don't know how we think about that. I think it's great for Emma Hayes. That's a nice paycheck. And really the U.S. coach, men's coach, should be making more than 1.6 in my estimation. Maybe we should be paying for a coach a little bit more, but we're not right now. But that gets me to think because I think we, we it's not all equal in many ways. We want to make the, 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 the women whole. And I think the women can, is there a possibility they could exceed the men? I, I, I don't think it's far-fetched when you look at the trajectory of the leagues and their national team. But uh, we'll see about equal pay. But the men's team has to distinguish themselves as well. But that's we're seeing the process of that beginning. And that's where we're at. That's a nice, it's a nice gig for Emma Hayes, and hopefully she can bring us back the U.S. Women's Team uh, over the next few uh, months, and obviously before the next World Cup in 2025, 2027. Sorry, I got caught in a time warp. Last thing I want to talk about is PGMOL again released the audio of the conversations between the referee and VAR from Newcastle and Arsenal that allowed Anthony Gordon's goal to stand. I wanted to play it for you, but uh, I'd rather not dwell on it too much. You remember Mikel Arteta blew a gasket because he felt that Gabriel was pushed in front, and it kind of looks like he was pushed. But the audio shows they went through everything with a fine-tooth comb. Was there contact there? They said, yeah, well, um, maybe it was a little bit lower than we thought. And it wasn't clear and obvious. And Gabriel, to me, kind of took a dive, which is fine. You should take a dive if you're getting pushed. But for all the grief we gave VAR, and we talked about it in my last episode, they got it right. The audio is perfect. It's exactly what you want to hear from the referees. There was a moment where the ball looked like it went out of play, and the ref says, it looks like it's out of play, but from that angle, I can't tell you definitively. Same with the push in the back. If you can't tell it out definitively, then you don't reverse the call. Clear and obvious, clear and obvious. If the other thing is, if the call on the field was it was a goal, it better be clear and obvious. You don't want to make the referee look bad there. That's his his livelihood. So I'm good when you say, okay, I think it might have been a foul, but I'm not in a position to say it was to overrule Anthony, uh, the referee, um, or whoever the referee was it. Um, and, you know, put him in a weird position because I didn't see enough of it. I thought it was great. And I'm a, you know, I'm a VAR opponent, but that was like me going, well, VAR kind of nailed it. (laughs) I've spoken enough. The rundown is now complete. We're going to be right back with the business end, Ramon Chavez, to talk about the Mexico national team ahead of the Nations League, to talk about the success of Phoenix Rising, soccer in Phoenix and Arizona. Stick around for Check Complete. I'll give you my full uh, breakdown of the U.S. men's national team as they prepare for Trinidad and Tobago, the soccer OG.
back here, special guest business, and uh, from back in the day when we were here on uh, the Soccer OG, Ramon Chavez, Nachito Chavez, who uh, is now a champion in the USL with the Phoenix Rising, part of the Spanish broadcast team, does a lot of their digital stuff. I remember he told me he was going to start working there, and now look at you, Ramon, campeón. What did you, <laughs> what was the party like? <laughs> oh man, it's it's unbelievable, man. It's, it's it's a great feeling to be part of the the team or help help out a little little bit you know obviously the players and everybody else did their job but just to be a small part of it man it's it's incredible have you ever experienced anything like that because i you know i i, I got to do it with lafc and it's very i didn't really experience anything like that when you're part of this and then you're with the club all the time and you're near the coaches and the players and everyone is so invested and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god we're we're in a final yeah and, no, it's... i mean what, what 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 just kind of the feelings that you felt going through that yeah, no, it was it was insane. Uh, we were at the watch party here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we weren't able to make the trip, but we were surrounded by diehard Phoenix Rising fans. And, uh, you know, it, it, to us, it's still a little bit of a work day. You know, you still got to get the broadcast <laughs> call out. And, and you know, I, I double dip as a color, a color commentator and a producer. So I'm making sure the sound levels are good, that we're still on air, that we're doing all that. But then, you know, still the fact that it's a championship final, you know, and so when when uh, the final whistle blew and everybody, you know, realized what was going on, you know, everybody was jumping. We had people coming on stage hugging us. And, you know, while we were kind of closing up the the final call, you know, me and my partner teared up because, you know, it's blood, sweat and tears uh, late nights, you know, and it's it's a lot of effort, you know, sometimes not a lot of reward. But at the end, you know, for, to see the team, you know, my my uh, hometown team win, it's it's an incredible feeling. I know I always joke with you and like, when are we going to get a big uh, international game in Phoenix? Uh, and obviously they wouldn't play at the Phoenix Rising Stadium. He'd play, what, what is it called for the Cardinals now? Was it in Glendale? Like State Farm Stadium? State they they Farm change Stadium. every month, so I don't know. <laughs> is that in the works? I mean, obviously they're in the mix for trying to do more and more games. But people are noticing that Phoenix is has a soccer pulse, has a following has obviously this really good team, but I mean, what is it? I mean, the I always yeah. I always took you at face value. Go, man, we got to, if you're going to be in Denver, you're going to be in Vegas. You got to come to Phoenix. No, definitely for sure. Phoenix is a is a huge soccer town. You can see it, you know, with the attendance that that they have at the games, and also not only at the Rising games, but internationally. You know, the Gold Cup is always you know making sure that they have a pit stop here and in, in Glendale, and then recently uh, they had the Olympic team. They had Mexico the u.s and right. uh, the japan team used the the phoenix rising facility so it kind of speaks to the level uh that that the team is in right now uh, is in right now their facilities and in just phoenix as a whole you know it has excellent weather you know i know we talk about <laughs> having a, a a covered stadium and stuff like that but most of the time it's it's, it's excellent so uh, i think you know a lot of people don't don't really think of phoenix as a soccer city but it's definitely on its way there that's amazing uh and it's it's not an mls city now um, who knows what the future holds, but, you know, or who knows how the leagues change maybe one day. But the fact that it's not on the forefront, but it could be because you have this organic creation of this club with this, uh, you know, I remember when it was it Didier Drogba was hitting the balls out there. And, yeah. you know, it's this is not just a flash in the pan. This has been kind of going on for a few years. Uh what was look? I was I was pulling for Phoenix because a first and foremost they have two LAFC guys, former LAFC guys, Danny Trejo and Mohamed Traore. So and there's been a connection there. So I was always happy with that, and because of you, uh, Ramon, you know, I'm pulling <laughs> for you. you. I want you to do well. But this is a this is a really talented team, and I know 
I follow along with Rocco Rios Novo and his mustache and goal, uh, making the winning penalties. You have a lot of guys that played in MLS. I mean, this is a team that in an open tournament format would probably beat some MLS clubs. What was special about watching this team and what stood out? Yeah, no, uh, you know, my my first year covering the team full time, which was last year, was a pretty rocky one. You know, they got rid of uh, their head coach, Rick Schantz, who was part of those teams that made, you know, some noise and not only like the the American you know, soccer scene, but also worldwide, you know, they had that 20 game winning streak uh, a few years back. They had the dollar beer night, which I think kind of put them on the map a little bit too. Obviously having Didier Drogba as a, as an owner certainly helps as well with his reach and, and marketing. Um, but yeah, last year was, was a really tough team, uh, tough year for the team because this Phoenix rising team, if you, if you haven't heard of them or you're not aware of them, they're used to winning, you know, they're not used to not making the playoffs. They're not used to, you know, uh, not not being one of the most important teams in USL championship. So last year was kind of like uh, a big, you know, wake up call for the entire organization. And so they got rid of their coach, Rick Schantz. They brought in uh, Juan Guerra, who had previously been uh, been uh, an assistant coach under Rick Schantz. And, you know, once the final whistle blew in, in the 2022 season for Phoenix Rising, you know, I went up to Juan Guerra you know, wanted to to get his thoughts. And he said, there's a lot of changes coming, you know, that's, that's <laughs> something I'm guaranteeing. And now, a lot of people had faith on him. The the 23 season, uh, it wasn't the best start. So a lot of people started questioning his methods, the the, the players that he had brought in. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people were saying, let Juan cook, you know, because he knew what he was doing. He had the staff, he had the players. And, you know, it, it, it shows with the results, you know, a championship uh, trophy being brought to the Valley. And and it's it's been amazing. You know, it's, it's such a journey that you go through from that 2022 year, the 2023 brand new, you know, personnel, uh, basically a brand new team. There was only one starter uh, from in, in the final that was a part of the team last year. And it just, you know, kind of told you what you needed to do with this team, you know, and it's, it's kind of like cliche, you know, the a Phoenix rising, but you kind of needed to start over, you know, rise from the ashes in order to get to the point where they're at now. So it's amazing to see. And, and again, it's a privilege to have been a, a small part of it. They'll never change their name to Phoenix FC. I can assure you Phoenix rising is just too good. It is what it is, and <laughs> it suits the city well, and we, we've gotten used to saying it. They didn't do that great in the regular season. Uh, they just got they got hot. When did you get the feeling that this was a team that could uh, make a championship, win a championship? Yeah, no, with the with the team, it, it took some time to gel. It's not easy. It's not easy. People feel like sometimes uh, these these professional teams are kind of like football manager or playing FIFA or EAFC. I don't know what they call the games now. And you just put the roster together. And <laughs> I, wish I, could, and I wish I could correct you. But I don't know either. <laughs> I got to play more video games. I'm sorry. Um, but it's 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 the patience, you know, uh, Juan Guerra. He always emphasizes that uh, a lot of people are not accustomed to the journey. You know, it, it, processes take time, you know, and um, some people were expecting to to win every single game this season. That's not feasible in any league. But when you see the team, you know, every week competing, you see flashes and and of, of the players and the talent and the technical staff getting to know each other. And you know, when you have players with the quality like a Dani Trejo, who as soon as I LAFC, you know, parted ways with him, I was like, he belongs in the valley. Like this is a player I need to see in Phoenix because I know he'll be a difference maker. And he proved it. You know, he scored uh, 17 goals, added a couple more during the playoffs, and he was nominated for Player of the Year in the in the USL Championship. And with players like that with with you know coaches like Juan Guerra you know and everyone buying in is just it makes it 
for such a special team, you know, and, and yeah, they didn't end the, the, their season as well as they, they would have wanted. They lost against New Mexico. They lost against Colorado Springs, but in the playoffs, man, they had this killer switch that just turned on and they were able to literally win every playoff game on the road, on their way to the championship, which is amazing. You don't, you don't see that often. It's insane. Yeah. They won in San Diego, the one in Sacramento, the one in orange County, uh, and they beat Charleston Battery. I love the markets in, in USL. You just went over them, New Mexico and uh, Colorado Springs. And these are just, you know, burgeoning cities that have a soccer following. And USL gives them that platform. And they're seizing and they're exceeding uh, every expectation, which is great. And you know, I know a lot of people were tuning in and they went to penalties and it was grabbing um, the American soccer our ecosystem's attention without question. And it, it was very cool to see. And I'm very thrilled for Danny Trejo because when he was drafted at LAFC, people thought it was a publicity stunt because he shared the name of Danny Trejo, famous Mexican actor. And, you know, even then for a moment, I was like, maybe it is. And I saw him going, this guy's he works hard. He's seen him at training and he, he wants to succeed. He was a mercurial score. I think it was at Cal State Northridge. And then he moved on to LAFC. He needed that opportunity. It was amazing that you were able to, to identify that Ramon because he looks like the guy can score a haul of goals, and he he's done that. And, uh, you know, this is what's great for USL, too, is it gives these guys opportunity, and not just as a, a springboard to MLS, but we're seeing these guys make moves to Europe, uh, young players, maybe some other guys as well. It's USL's in the uh, the crosshairs or in the in the scope of, of many other leagues as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, my short time covering the league, it's it's amazing how much talent is in this league. You know, sometimes you don't you don't have it in, in your mind, you know, because you're busy with as a soccer fan with MLS and maybe the bigger, flashier names and the bigger stadiums. But in this league, there's plenty of talent, you know, thinking about Phoenix Rising alone. Uh, I think about someone like Emil Cuello, you know, an Argentinian player who had played uh, with LA Galaxy 2, you know, wasn't given the opportunity, maybe there, went on to Sacramento and and this season he struggled. He had injuries. He wasn't able to crack the 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 18. But when it came to the playoffs, he literally willed this team to the to the final. You know, he scored a, a couple of bangers against Orange County and then against his former team in Sacramento Republic. And so there's a lot of talent in this league. It's just a matter of, you know, maybe spotlighting them, giving them an opportunity. And, uh, you know, we could get deeper into this. You know, with <laughs> roster rules and stuff like that, but there's plenty of talent, you know, and Carlos Harvey, Panamanian player, you know, Carlos uh, Harvey, yes, exactly, you know, from LA Galaxy, you know, the engine in the midfield, he was called up to the national team uh, a few times. And, you know, you mentioned Rocco Rios Novo, the, the Argentinian that was with El, uh, Atlanta United. It's it's amazing, you know, that you have all these talented pieces, you put them together and, and they show you what they can do, you know, and and hopefully it's a it's a springboard for a lot of these guys, because I know at the end of the day, all, all of these guys have the capacity to, to play at a, at a higher level. And they proved it, you know, they brought a championship to the Valley and and that's baby. And sometimes that's what you need to do, you know, when you're in this type of league to get those eyeballs on you, get those scouts, get those front offices interested and and, you know, maybe move on to the next uh, step in your career. Yeah, just to mention a couple, I remember Jonathan Gomez went from, uh, what was it, Louisville to Real Sociedad, St. Wine, Joshua Winder went to uh, yep. Benfica. There's it, it's some great talent and it's great stories. And sometimes guys just need a place to be where they're the guy and they can excel and, and meet those expectations. And I, for one, have seen so much in USL and MLS guys that just needed a second chance or sort of slipped through the cracks and they are out there. And so many still slip through the cracks. But if we can prevent less and less from doing that, it's a good thing. I wanted to bring uh, Ramon on as well because we were a part of El Tri Online, Soccer OG traveling. We were at the incredible game in the Nations League final 
in 20 was it 2021 i think so it's 2020 yeah, in denver yeah in denver uh and then we went to usa mexico and cincinnati uh and we were like you probably saw us if you're there we're running around with equipment trying to just film things and we were doing a podcast in the parking lot at 11 p.m that's how we roll we want to get the content out so ramon and i you know we, we will roll up our sleeves for you but uh, we, we're getting ready for Nations League, and I'm going to do a little preview of the USA game. They're playing in Trinidad and Tobago. I'll be down there in Austin. And these are important games, and Mexico's got Honduras, which, you know, Honduras has hit some tough times, but we know that there's talent there, and they are they could replenish it, and maybe these two games could be the case. It's important. There's these eight teams in four games. Four winners will qualify for Copa America. You don't want to be left out. It would be a disaster if the USA or Mexico or Canada missed out. Uh, but one or more could. Unlikely. I don't think it would be USA against Trinidad and Tobago. And I don't think it's going to be Mexico. And Mexico's playing better, Ramon. What's exciting about what you've seen with this team? Um, that last window in particular doing well against Ghana and Germany. Where have they improved from just, say, four or five months ago before the they won the Gold Cup. Yeah, no, in my opinion, I think it, it starts with the coaching. You know, Jimmy Lozano coming in, bringing his style of play, the the offensive style, which is Mex- Mexico is known for, and just letting the guys kind of be themselves. You know, I think a player that kind of comes into mind is Uriel Antuna. I'll be the first guy to tell you I was not a fan of Uriel Antuna, and sometimes I'm still not. Just because you know that the talent is there, you see it on the field, but when it comes down to it, it's, it doesn't come out at the times when you need it, you know? You think about maybe the World Cup, you maybe think about some times where he's not playing at his best, but in the last window, he showed you what he can do, you know? He showed you why maybe a Manchester City was putting an eye on him um, and when he was younger. So it, it's that, giving that confidence to those players, I think is what Jimmy, uh, is, it makes Jimmy Lozano stand out, you know? Giving that confidence to those players, you know, and, and having all these pieces to kind of play around with. Yes, there is a little bit of the old guard still with like someone like Memo Ochoa, but then you have a brand new center back pairing and like a Johan Montes, a, uh, I'm sorry, a Cesar Montes, Johan Vasquez, and that's exciting exciting to see as well. So I think giving the opportunity to these guys, you know, fitting into the system that, that Jimmy Lozano has, I think has has improved a lot of this national team. And you saw it, you know, they got a great win against Ghana. They maybe struggled in the first minutes of that game. And same thing with Germany. But at the end of the day, they competed, you know, and I think that's what every fan wanted to see. And I think this was the first time in a very long time where as a Mexican fan, you could say, wow, I'm not screaming or, you know, hitting a wall because these guys aren't performing. It was getting and, bad, though. It was getting bad, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and so they, they were able to get that gold cup, which I think kind of quieted a lot of the restlessness uh, in, in the Mexican fans. But that game against Germany, to be honest, I didn't have high expectations, especially after I saw the what they did to the U.S. But for them to be able to compete and for them to, you know, come away with the tie, I, I think it's exciting. So I think now with kind of basically the, the same team that he brought in the last window, you know, they, they should be able to take care of Honduras, but Honduras is never easy, especially playing over there. Yeah, you got to play the a game down there, San Pedro yep. Sula. Exactly. So it's not going to be easy. Answer me this, Ramon. Before they won the Gold Cup, how nervous were you as a Mexico fan? Were you thinking that this could be a long process before they're competitive? I mean, I don't want to blame it on Diego Coca. It was just the wrong guy. And the coaching did, but other players have, that's just the way this sport is. It's very finicky. Uh, but I got the feeling that it could be a year or something. But I feel like that it's it, Mexico's not where they want to be, but they're a lot closer than they were before the Gold Cup. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's been a lower point for a Mexican fan than 
uh, that that final or the semifinal, I mean, against the U.S. over yep. there in Las Vegas with the, the CONCACAF Nations League. I've been to two of them now, and every time Mexico has played the U.S., it's been heartbreaking. But that Las Vegas one was that something. Was, that was that a was beating, a, really. You know, it was, exactly. I agree with you. I've never seen anything. I think I tweeted at the time. I go, I've never seen the USA this dominant. They've beaten by Mexico by good score lines, or they surprised them. But it wasn't a gap. This felt like there was a gap. Exactly. And then, you know, being out there and in, in, uh, in, in the press row, just talking to, to like Luis Chavez, he just you could just see it in his face. He was like disgusted by that performance because like you're saying, maybe it was a realization. It's like, dang, these guys are really that far ahead of us now. And, you know, maybe it was a kind of like a we got to do something. And I think the Federation looked at that as well. And maybe the the, you know, the support for the next game that they had um, kind of gave them the signals like, Hey, you know, we got to make some changes here. Now are those changes going to really actually happen? You know, I know they did all these fancy presentations and they give you, Hey, this is our plan. But with the Mexican Federation, you, you really don't know half the time, but I, I like what they're doing. <laughs> now. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I like what they're doing so far. You know, the, having someone like Santi Jimenez kind of break through in the world stage really helps out, you know, and he hasn't really performed that uh, at the level that he's done in Europe with the Mexican national team. But maybe this is the time, you know, maybe, maybe this is the window to break through. I know a lot of uh, Mexican players came back to Liga Emekis, and we know the reasons why, because there's so much money and they're going to get, you know, taken care of in that. And people were saying they were not doing as well in Europe, but I, I, I still think there's enough there of, they need a few more players there. But I mean, you mentioned Santi Jimenez and um, Edson Alvarez is there playing all the time. Uh, Irving Lozano is in the Netherlands as well as you would expect a few younger players are uh, are there again it's I, I think there's a chance for more of them to make their way over but it's not completely bleak by any means and that's just part of it uh Orbelin is over there as well it, it's it it's a difficult thing to deal with because I don't know what the money is but I know it's huge and it, you'd be crazy to turn it down if you were a uh, who are the, the names Sebastian Cordova or uh Diego Alexis, Linus, Vega. Alexis yeah. Vega, these kind of guys coming back. So uh, it's tricky, but I, I think there's enough there in Europe. You want a little bit more and you'd feel content, but there's enough to keep you somewhat optimistic. You got uh, naturalized Julian Quinones, too. And I, I just wanted to follow up when you said about Uriel Antuna, because the Mexico-Germany game was the same time as USA-Ghana. So I was watching USA-Ghana. I was watching Mexico-Germany a little bit later. But the game went final, and then they had the player listings. Someone showed the player listings, and Antuna had like – and 8.6, the next best player was like 6.5. I go, what did he do? And yeah. then I'd watch, and I go, oh, my God, he was uh, he was pretty awesome. Yeah, so, no, and and I think uh, during the Gold Cup, uh, when they, they stopped here in, in uh, Phoenix, you know, that was one of the questions that was asked to Jimmy Lozano, like, how do you give that confidence to a player like Uriel Antuna? Because Jimmy Lozano has always had that trust in him. But a lot of the Mexican fans and the pundits and the media, they're like, why is this guy continuing to be part of the Mexican national team? And he showed it during that game. And so uh, not only in the Gold Cup, but recently in these uh, in the last window. So it's, you know, it, it's difficult, you know, because like all these guys are talented. All these guys have the capacity to play in Europe, but maybe they just don't want to make the jump. Clear example is Alexis Vega. Didn't have the best World Cup, at least in my opinion. That would have maybe cemented a little bit more of clubs trying to, you know, bring him uh, to to Europe. But even he said so himself. Like, why should I take a six month contract 
when I have a guarantee over here, you know, I, I would do the same thing. I would do the same thing. Exactly. But then you have someone like a Luis Chavez who literally paid his own buyout clause to leave, <laughs> to go play in Russia of all places. So it just tells you, you know, where these players are mentally. And, you know, it, there's only so much we can say, you know, but it's really up to them and taking care of their families at, at the end of the day, it's about that as well. Um, but you love to see that kind of determination of Santi Jimenez, you know, going over uh, to Feyenoord and, and, and breaking through, uh, you know, Luis Chavez, all these guys, you know, Edson Alvarez, you know, who, who fought for his place as well. So you love to see those stories. And I feel like if you just give that opportunity to more players you're going to see more of these stories uh in the future yeah do you think that no problems they get i mean it'll be tricky in honduras but they should get through uh, i think my main concern is just the striker play Who who's going to be the striker for jimmy lozano uh you know julian quinones can play that position but he typically plays on the wings with america or or I should say maybe that's his best position. Raul Jimenez is maybe getting into form. He just scored this last weekend, weekend for, for Fulham. But, you know, we, we've seen how much of a struggle it's been for him after his his head injury. Santi Jimenez maybe not as, as hot as he once was, especially with the national team. And then it's just a, at that point, you, you have Henry Martin. Like, who who's the striker in this, in this uh, system? So I think that's going to be the main question. And, you know, in my opinion, it should be Santi Jimenez. Give him more reps. Give him more opportunities. Opportunities, let him link up with Julian Quinones, but maybe Jim, Jimmy Lozano goes with the in all America, you know, uh, front line. Julian Quinones, Henry Martin, obviously they've been playing together uh, the, the whole season, so maybe you just kind of give them a shot. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I think that's going to be the key factor, just who's going to be up top. Yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It'll be a good sign for Concacaf. I think Mexico needs two goals in these two games. I think they'll get that. Would prefer three or four. They should. Uh, but it'll be nervous, Ramon. I know you'll be nervous along with everybody else <laughs> during during for three. Check out Ramon Chavez at Nachito Chavez ten on X Twitter and all the things that Phoenix Rising are doing. Very exciting stuff, man. I'm happy for you. Go walk around with your chest puffed out. Get some free stuff there in Phoenix. You deserved <laughs> it. You go. I'm, I'm not paying for this burrito. I'm not paying for this cafecito. I'm with the Phoenix Rising. Appreciate it, Max. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a crazy year, and you know I'm I'm happy to be on board, and I appreciate people like you that you know have given me that mentorship to to kind of you know dive into this sort of field because it, it's tough, you know. Like I said, it's late nights, maybe not a lot of reward some of the times, but when you see these moments happen, like these championships, or you know you're next to you know one of the the Mexican players at a press conference, it, it kind of brings into light all this hard work. So I appreciate all that you've you know been able to to, to give to me, and I appreciate Aww. everybody that's helped me along the way. Yeah, you too. And if you're listening to Ramon, if you're and you look for someone who's really polished, look, Ramon's the guy and young with young voice in this industry. And that's why I love to to connect here as well. So you can hear the great work being done by so many all over the country. Uh the soccer's getting bigger. Hey Ramon, we'll we'll check you out here pretty soon. Maybe we'll cross paths in one of these games. Maybe at the Copa America. We'll see. Perfect. No, I love it. In Phoenix. No, I know. Maybe not Phoenix, <laughs> but somewhere in Phoenix. Ramon Chavez here joining me in the business. And we'll be back with Check Complete, where I'll take a closer look deep dive into the USMNT as they prepare against Trinidad and Tobago here in Austin and the second leg on the 20th. This is the Soccer OG. We are back now with Check Complete as I'll give you my preview of the Nations League quarterfinal matchups. The United States taking on Trinidad and Tobago on November the 16th in Austin, Texas, the Q2 Stadium. I will be there with a bunch of other uh, distinguished YouTubers. I'm so happy that I was included in that. I feel like an undercover policeman. I'm so much older than everyone. <laughs> That's what you get. I'm an old soul. No, I'm just old, period. That's why I'm the OG. That's why you check me out. 
November the 20th, they'll play in Port of Spain at the Hazley Crawford Stadium. Trinidad and Tobago missing an opportunity to play in this game at the Addo Balden Stadium in Cuba to really put the horror in the United States and bring back 2017. Uh, Addo Bolden, I mean, he was this incredible athlete for Trinidad and Tobago, won the silver medal in the Sydney Olympics in 2000. And now his name is on that stadium. Uh, instead of celebrating Addo Bolden, he's a broadcaster for NBC, I believe, on their Olympics coverage. So we'll hear him again. I'm going to freak out every time I hear his name because it'll bring me back to Cuba. But Trinidad and Tobago, going to the bigger stadium in the capital, uh, that's the way to go. It's great that Trinidad and Tobago are here. It was no guarantee that they would make it. You know, eight teams are here. USA, Costa Rica, Canada, and Mexico expected to make the semifinals, which will be March 2024, held at AT&T Stadium in North Texas there, Jerry's World, which I, I remember at ESPN, every time someone called AT&T Stadium Jerry's World, we got reprimanded. They said, don't call it Jerry's World. Because Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, or don't call it Cowboys Stadium. I'm like, what? What? That sounds so good. Can't we say that? No. I'll put you on an 8 p.m. sports center if you say that again. That was the punishment. If you uh, did bad, you go in off the 6 or 11 p.m. sports center. You did the 8 p.m. sports center where no one watched. You're probably asking yourself, whoa, there's an 8 p.m. sports center? Well, there was when I was there. So, uh... We look at the situation now, and they're looking to make the semifinals, which we, as I was talking to Ramon, those were fun in, I guess it was 2022 and 20, did I miss one? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the USA winning both, famously, really, in the last edition where they just blew the doors off Mexico. So that was a lot of fun. So that's the payoff. You get a second shot at it if you miss out the United States against Trinidad and Tobago, as does Mexico and everyone. Uh, you have Jamaica there. You have TNT, uh, Panama. And Panama made a Gold Cup final. So there's some equilibrium there between the teams that made it that far. But in addition to winning the quarterfinal, you also get a ticket to Copa America. You know, we figured it was a foregone conclusion that the United States was hosting the Copa America, but they're not guaranteed a spot. That was a bit of a screw-up. Don't you just guarantee them a spot? I mean, why would you even put that at risk? <laughs> With all the, you know, the weird stuff, corruption that happens at world soccer, for someone to say, by the way, USA and Mexico are in, okay? Just want to make that abundantly clear. People would complain, because that's all we do is complain. But at the end, we would accept it. <laughs> so, anyway, the U.S. will make it. Uh, they should get by Trinidad and Tobago without too much discomfort. Although the big story coming in is, you know, the U.S. isn't really clicking. I mean, the October window was ended well with Ghana. Ghana looked like they didn't really want to be here. They they beat were beaten by Germany pretty convincingly. That was a game. The Germans scored three goals, but they could have scored six or seven in that game. Let me bring that up again. 19 shots for Germany. The U.S. were a mess. Then they beat Ghana 4-zip. But these games matter. And in addition to you know the form, if you want to call it that, there's a lot of guys that are not available, namely the two starting wingers. So you're really without three starters. Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, who are your two wingers. Tyler Adams, who's been out for a long amount of time. Johnny Cardoso, who was in line to be his substitute or his replacement at that number six position, also out. Long-term injuries like Josh Sargent are out as well, uh, amongst a few others. But, you know, Pulisic, Weah, Adams is, is huge. That's three lockdown starters. 
So the U.S. will have to find alternatives, and there's alternatives there, although I would say the depth of this U.S. team is far from fleshed out. There's not a lot of guys that you can just say, I right, we, we can count on him. We can count on Kevin Paredes. Eh, can't count on Kevin Paredes. He's too green. We can count on Brendan Aronson. Eh, he's been struggling. Paxton Aronson, too green. These are the guys that got called in the roster. I'm sure you're familiar with the roster that has been called in. Uh, we could put Gio Reyna there. Sure, not really a winger, right? Um, I think many people feel he put Malik Tillman at the 10 and the Gio Reyna out wide and then maybe Brendan Aronson or Kevin Paredes or Alejandro Zendejas, who's, you know, we're all, we saw him play in 2023. Not great for the national team. Even though he's crushing it for Club America. Not great for the national team. So we have the big injuries, which is, you know, the first thing that gives you pause as to how well the U.S. will perform. But I'm convinced they'll find um, the right replacements. The depth after that has to be fleshed out. You know, Taylor Booth, uh, Jesus Ferreira, all these guys that you would like to see in there, maybe not. I would also like to add, I mean, is it the this conspiracy theory of this MLS quota? Can we finally put that to bed? People actually thought that was a real thing. They probably thought that was a real thing. Don't tell me it's because some's not here anymore. No. This is up to the coach. The coach puts the best players on there. And right now, Greg Berhalter is going with a younger team, European-based. And uh, look, Jesus, the fact that Johnny Cardoso got injured and they didn't bring in a replacement, he could have brought in Kellen Acosta, but he's decided not to. He could have brought in Christian Roldan. He decided not to. These are guys, they have a gap between their playoff games, but that does, that should not pause, stop the the coach from doing that. He has moved on. So the best talent is based in Europe, and the only really good young player that's there is Jesus Ferreira, who may end up in Europe. I don't know, but, you know, people have vilified him, and I would say he has a shot to be in this mix. No one, because no one else has distinguished themselves, especially when you're down a rung or two because of the injuries to Pulisic and Wyatt. But he's not. It's very telling. Grant, he is injured, so maybe that's part of it too. But I don't think he would have been called in anyway. So MLS quota, let's, let's, I don't think that's going to come up. Everyone's like, oh, okay. Maybe I overreacted a little bit. So we move on from that. Now, the other thing that's of concern is, well, let me, just to connect the dots a little better. One MLS player on this roster, Miles Robinson. Miles Robinson playing in the MLS Cup playoffs, all of Twitter just crushing him. Uh, because he may have been out of position on an, on one occasion. But that's what we did. That's what we did with Aaron Long, who was far from perfect. But we find these guys to pick on, and we go after it. And Miles Robinson, I'm, I'm breaking my mind over why is everyone picking on him. And the only thing that comes into mind is he plays in MLS. That's the reality of it. No one's going after Chris Richards, who has not played in months. And when he played for the national team in October, was terrible. I'm not picking on Chris Richards, but because he rides the bench at Crystal Palace, he avoids the 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 criticism that uh, a guy who plays all the time in MLS does. I, I, so we're confident to put Chris Richards there, right? We're just locking him in at the starting 11. Cameron Carter-Vickers plays at Celtic. SPL, playing for Celtic's better than playing in MLS, I'll tell you that. But playing in the SPL is not better than playing in MLS. Then uh, I'm not going to keep, I don't want to, because this is an old topic. I don't want to bring it. But I just was sitting there watching the playoffs and everyone's ripping Miles Robinson. I go, wait a minute. Our defense almost let up six goals against Germany. Let's uh, focus on uh, who was playing. So, you know, Austin Trusty to me was the only 
guy that I would have liked to have been called in there that didn't. I imagine his time will come. He's playing every game for Sheffield United, making a huge breakthrough there. So you have a bunch of players that aren't playing for their club to shift towards Chris Richards. He would be a key player as a starter. Gio Reyna's not playing. Gio Reyna's been phenomenal. Even when he wasn't playing in October, he came in and was our best player. So he's maybe just... Um, a bit of an outlier in that in that sense. Um, everyone else seems to... The other positions are okay. We have the guys that are playing for PSV together. I think that's a positive where you have guys playing for the same club. That will help if Tillman and Dest and perhaps Ricardo Pepe come into play. Ricardo Pepe's not playing uh, all season, really. Little spots here. Although that's, that's not as concerning, I think, if Gio Reyna and Chris Richards. And then... Matt Turner, not playing. He's dropped to the backup. And that is, didn't seem to stop us too much the last time around. And I don't think he's going to get back up there because I've watched both Nottingham Forest games since he's been benched. And Odysseus Odysseus, we'll just call him that, Vlakodimos uh, has been great. Even when they allowed three goals to West Ham. I watched that game, the whole thing. I'm a West Ham fan. He was really good. So you have three key players that aren't featuring their goalkeeper, however you want to call it, classify Gio Reyna, um, and then Chris Richards, and then you have the guys that are injured. That's a big chunk. I'm talking about six big names there. So in a different circumstance, perhaps it was the Nations League, it would cost us winning that when March comes around. I mean, 2024 is going to be huge. I would say the silver lining, and it's a thick silver lining, is that this is happening in November of 2023. And hopefully Christian Pulisic, who has avoided the injury bug, his injury is not that serious, but it is an injury. And it was a non-contact injury. Then hopefully he and Tim Weah and Tyler Adams and Gio Reyna's got a club and he's playing and Matt Turner is confident. And all this is happening by March, April, May and June when Copa America rolls around. So we're very fortunate. The timing is perfect, really. You know, because then these guys can get back into the holidays and, and really lock into 2024. So that's a very good positive. But I am intrigued to see how this team resolves its issues. They played Trinidad and Tobago in the Gold Cup. They beat them 6-0. Remember, that's how uh, Jesus Ferreira got the uh, uh, Pirate of the Caribbean uh, uh, moniker. And the United, they will... They will be tested in that first game, which will be really intriguing because you want to put it away in the first leg. And I think the U.S. are capable of doing that. But where are the goals going to come from? Is this the chance for Falar and Balogun? Thank goodness he's not injured. He's had some injury concerns. He is ready to go. Gio Reyna, I'm confident in. Brendan Aronson, not as much. Zendejas or Paredes, I just don't know. I just don't feel confident. I think Serginho Dest is a guy who could be a difference maker in the attacking end. Musa McKenney have been really good uh, all season. Those are two consistent bright spots, certainly for Weston McKinney, who is a, a critical part of Juventus this season. It's going to be fun, and it sets the table for 2024. So tune in and watch those games coming up on November 16th and November 20. What is that going to be on? Turner? I think so. Uh, the November 16th game. I'm going to pull it up for you. I know that's important information. So it is TNT and also on Telemundo Universo and Peacock, probably in Spanish and Peacock, which is going to be Andres Cantor, which is really good. So a lot of fun stuff to look forward to. 
Check out the Nations League. We'll have some content, hopefully with the other creators there from Austin. So check back here in a couple days for another podcast of the Soccer OG. And also on my YouTube page, Max Bretos, where we'll have some videos coming from Austin. Looking forward to and recapping what we saw in Austin, Texas. Great to join you as always. And I know I'm recording this on a Tuesday, but I'm all about branding. Placido Domingo.